Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. We've reached the Final Four and BetOnline has had me covered for all of my bets throughout the tournament. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is upon us and BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Believe in New York Football Podcast. I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. We have a great show for you guys today. The Giants signed Danny Shelton. Nice little addition to the team. The Giants are still active in free agency. We'll touch on that signing in just a second. Michael Strahan fixed his teeth. That's indifferent. We'll talk about that at one point. And Joe Judge was at the Penn State Pro Day. He was at a few other Pro Days, but notably he was at the Penn State Pro Day with Patrick Graham. We'll dive into that too. We also have Bill Campy and the infamous Mr. Green here. We are going to go through our mock draft 2.0. Campy and I will also touch on the Jets' most recent free agent signings, and we'll also look at those two first-round picks for the New York Jets, as well as all the other picks in the first round, so stick around for that mock draft. But let's start with the Giants signing defensive tackle Danny Shelton to a one-year, $2 million deal. And I want to start with this. For as much as I'm going to miss Dalvin Tomlinson, I think this is a really good signing. I think this is going to help us fill that hole on early downs that Dalvin left pretty seamlessly. Um, Shelton is a former first-round pick, 12th overall to the Browns, had his best season with Joe Judge in New England with the Patriots back in 2019. Shelton played all 16 games that year, totaling three sacks, 61 total tackles, six QB hits, and a fourth fumble, all career highs. And... I mean, this is a need as much as it didn't seem like it. And I felt confident in Austin Johnson and Dexter Lawrence. I mean, adding a guy like Shelton is no joke. 350 pounds. He's going to be a tough dude to move. He's going to eat up blocks. And as much as people I know out there on Twitter love to shit on Leonard Williams for only getting sacks because of Dalvin's double teams, well, it's going to be hard for you to hate on Leonard Williams now because if he's going to eat up the double teams in Shelton and you're going to have to double him being who he is, and he's not necessarily a pass rusher, but he has it in his arsenal. And so he's going to be some beef to clog up the holes and take up some blocks. Him, Austin Johnson, um, I mean, even Sexy Dexy. I expect Shelton to be really an early down guy, wear some dudes out, wear some offensive linemen out, and then we'll just feast with some faster dudes um, like a Fetty who we also signed and is also an interior guy who might pop out outside. I mean, we're going to get creative. We're going to get really creative on defense this year, as if we weren't last year. But Patrick Graham 
is getting more tools to play with. Dave Gettleman continues to kill this free agency. Um, and I'm sure people are losing their minds about that. I know they've been uh, hard to fish the guy uh, any bit of a compliment. But one year, $2 million deal, another low risk, high reward kind of move. Uh, they're just bolstering and building. And I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, this defense continues to get better. And, and, you know, speaking of defense, a little foreshadow of who the Giants might draft at 11. You know, Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, a little shake and bake, were at Penn State. They were at Pro Day watching Micah Parsons do what he does. And I was on clapback and I talked about this. I've been on Parsons since day one. I didn't need to see his underwear Olympics performance. And I'm sure Judge and Graham didn't either. You know, and all those guys at Penn State. You know, having Spence, having Coach Sean Spencer, um, you know, intertwined with our coaching staff the way he is on defense. Incredible hire last year. But, you know, a marquee guy from a program that is pumping out talent. And to have guys like Joe Judge with the Bama tie, to have someone like Coach Spencer that these dudes from Penn State want to play with. And I say that because Parsons prompted himself to add some eye emojis on his story off a mock draft that the NFL posted about him being drafted to the Giants. And, you know, for all the talk that the Giants might look down on his character issues, I don't think so. And who better to, you know, debunk those issues than his former coach or one of his former coaches. So I love every second of this. And I hope he can fall to us at 11. I'm kind of worried. I mean, I don't see how teams are going to pass on him. I think he's a great talent. And I think he fits the outside of our defense, that outside linebacker role, really well. And if not, we keep him inside. Because he can do both. He really can. But I would love him outside. And him and Cam Brown playing together would be a really interesting thing. To see what the two of them could do, former teammates, um, you know, on this defense. But staying in defense, too. Uh, let's just address it, too. Because I want to get into Micah Parsons in our mock draft. Um, but Michael Strahan fixed his teeth. The gap is gone. What's going on? I have no idea what he did. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Good for him. He, you know, he did what made him happy, and that's all that matters. But I love the gap. It's going to be missed. It's like Anthony Davis if he ever shaved his unibrow. Um, you know, we're almost at April Fool's. I thought it was going to be a joke, but no. It's for real. It's gone. Just like Aaron Judge, too. Shout out Marty Mush. Marty Mush changed his teeth. I mean, people... People are getting work done. Meanwhile, I hate the dentist. Terrifies me. Not a dentist guy. Really not a dentist guy. Um, I go, though. I want you guys to know I go for my cleanings. But now let me get you guys ready for my mock draft 2.0 here with Bill Campy and the infamous Mr. Green. A lot of trades went down since the last mock draft, including the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Dolphins. There was a lot of moving parts. And now that the dust is kind of settled, and I feel like things are still going to pop off, but we're going to go at this for a second time. A 2.0 mock draft. We're going to dive in, give you guys an idea, give ourselves an idea of what the draft is going to look like. So here they are, Bill Campy and Mr. Green. All right, now I have the great pleasure of welcoming back on Bill Campy. But this time, Campy is not here with Pat Martino. no. And normally Pat's here by himself without Campy. Campy is with someone who shall not be named. Not Voldemort, but an infamous Mr. Green. And if he's Mr. Green, I'm definitely Mr. Pink. And let's just go there. Mr. Green, welcome to the show. Campy's been here before. I'm happy to have you on. 
thanks for coming on, man, and uh, doing this mock draft with us. I'm excited to hear your takes. Thank you. Thank you. This will be a blast. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Before we get into the mock, though, Campy, we do have some work to catch up on here because the Jets were active. They made some moves. Um, Before we get into the free agents, I do find it very funny that you talked about some guys you wanted to see the Jets sign in free agency, and almost seconds after we ended recording last week, they were signed. (laughs) So um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did talk about Kawan Williams, who I thought would be a nice little, right? Everyone was waiting for uh, Sala to bring some of his boys over. And Kawan Williams seemed like a pretty decent, you know, transfer from a co- for the corner, which obviously Jets need desperately. Just, I think, another veteran presence at corner. And then Kerry Hyder, right? We wanted another D-end to help out. And he had a nice little season last year. And uh, both of them were signed, I think, the next morning after we did the pod. So. Yeah, no surprise there. I put the little voodoo hex on it. Yeah, but we did have some good stuff happen. You did say the Niners were going to uh, trade up. You did call that. Um, we knew something was going to happen. We knew that that top 10 was going to be a clusterfuck some way or another. And it's already starting. I mean, after one blockbuster trade up, we have people trading back and trading back in with the Dolphins. The Eagles are acting like they know what they're doing, but they don't. And we'll get to that. Um, but the Jets did sign someone, their first uh, their first 49er. They signed two people, actually, in uh, Tevin Coleman, Vinny Curry. Curry coming from the Eagles. Uh, both one-year deals, kind of buy low, see what they can do for you guys in the short-term kind of deals. Uh, how, how are you perceiving that? Do, do you like the moves? Do you think they fit? I kind of like Coleman. I mean, we obviously talked about running back being a need for the Jets. So even if they do draft one, I think Coleman could be a guy – that'll uh, light a spark, even if he's just a pass catcher. Yeah. As long as, as long as Coleman's healthy, he can definitely have an impact. Certainly I think in third down and uh, just being able to be a decent pass catcher coming out of the backfield. Um, and it, it's, you know, these are low risk, high reward deals. I mean, one year deals, I have no issue with it. Um, and the running back position, you know, we got rid of old man Gore, you know, best of luck. See you in Canton, but we need a little more, you know, youthful legs back there. And, uh, Coleman is an interesting, uh, an interesting move. And we finally get a niner, you know, we thought that we get a couple of these guys and finally get a niner. So it's an interesting dynamic. I still think they will draft the running back, I think mid rounds, um, and as they should to get as many bodies back there as possible, uh, with, a you know, a LaFleur system based off Shanahan system last week, I really talked about how I really wanted to see them the Jets sign a D end, another D end, somebody to be able to, you know, uh, spit play sparingly third downs, pass rush specialist. Um, I was hoping for Alden Smith, you know, I maybe Carlos Dunlap, you know, maybe fancifully hoping for them, but I think Vinnie Curry is a nice addition to that. He is not a, you know, three down defensive end. He's a pass rush specialist. We can probably give him a pitch count of, maybe 20, uh, 25 snaps in a game. Um, and it's a, I think it's a nice little addition. That, that D-line, the Jets D-line, is, is certainly coming together. Um, and it could be addressed once again in the draft. Too. Not so for I, nothing, I, too. You, yeah. you say Carlos Dunlap. He also signed almost yes. immediately after yep. the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, you know, listen, I, I think I, the teams are listening, and they should. They should listen. <laughs> we got good ideas. These are nice players. So Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, well, the Seahawks are a weird situation for sure with the whole Russell uh, saga. But um, now the Jets, uh, Douglas is doing the right thing. He's being patient. 
he hasn't broken the bank on, I, I would say, on anybody that's, you know, shooting the moon for past Jets contracts that have been so gaudy and terrible. I mean, i.e. C.J. Mosley and uh, Le'Veon Bell and all those guys. So um, it's been it's been a great offseason so far. You just got to nail it in the draft. So let's go right there. I mean, the draft, the funny thing is it's almost like the Jets are the ones who are on the clock because everybody knows the Jaguars with the first pick is going to go Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, the Jags are on the clock and they're still probably going to drag out the first pick of the NFL draft an hour and a half. So, uh, you know, how that normally goes. But Trevor Lawrence is going to be that pick at one. But now we're right at the Jets at two. We've talked about it enough. And before we talk about Zach Wilson and all the hubbub about him, uh, he had that pro day that everyone's drooling over. We saw it. I sent it to you. I said, okay, all right, maybe they should draft him. I get it. I see the hype. But I love Sam. That's my issue. And that's what I'm on this show to plead again. I think Sam Darnold is still a capable quarterback. And I understand it has nothing to do with the Jets pick, but he's still a New York Jet. And it's bothering me that everyone's wowed by Zach Wilson's pro day. And I think Sam makes some pretty cool plays too. Like they showed it when that play happened. A lot of sta- uh, Jet stands and Sam Darnold stands. He had a play last year. He rolled out left, got lit up and tossed it across his body and made a play in live action at that. So mm-hmm. look, I think Sam can ball. I have the Jets taking Zach Wilson now, but I'm still indifferent on what the heck's going to happen to Sam Darnold because I think he could still ball. And I still don't think he got his fair shake with the Jets. And I, I still don't know, as great as Zach Wilson's going to be, how that line's going to hold up for him. They have to address it, but right. it's still an obvious cause for concern. Right. Yeah. I, you, you've seen Zach Wilson, I think, just climb the charts in a lot of ways. He's, he's, putting up those sports center, you know, top 10 type highlights in his pro day. He's doing things that on air to be fair to every, you know, to every uh, prospect and, and so on, but he's doing things that you're seeing Aaron Rodgers do. You're seeing Patrick Mahomes do with just the different trajectories for throws and the touch on his passes and, and the intermediate and long passing. All of that is vital for the, for the pro game and he can do all that it's in his wheelhouse um and i've we've talked about this right everything that sam has done it's not it's not his fault it's really not there's nothing against sam he's carried himself as a true professional he's not said one bad thing the guy isn't even on social media like he all he cares about is football you can't dislike sam darnold you really can't as the the person and probably the football player it's just that as you see him with the product that he's been able to put out, he's had moments where he's a warrior, where he hangs in there and he, he's able to grind out uh, a drive or a pass or, you know, scamper for 20, 25 yards. Um, and those are memorable moments, but they're few and far between. And we're getting to the point where, yeah. look, it's, it's getting down to that vital time of uh, when we have to figure out if we want to pay the guy. Yeah. And it's a silly thing to think about, right? When, okay, if this is your guy, who cares what you got to pay him? But there's still so many unknowns. I still think he can play. He obviously can play. He's only 23. I I truly think what's going to happen with Sam Darnold, I'm really in the in the Denver Broncos uh, way of how it's going to play out. I mean, they pick it uh, nine, I believe. 
I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets made a, a move to possibly move up to nine, possibly to get a tackle, um, you know, like Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Slater as a possibility, Just you know, and use Slater Darnold as a sweetener. Uh, as I have Slater to the Broncos at nine. I don't want to foreshadow too much, but that's that's interesting. That, that's a that's a really interesting move. But I, I mean, it would take a help. lot. The you Broncos have to think too. need help too, though. You have to think too that um, Josh Rosen probably devalued Sam Darnold's worth. If that makes any mm. sense. Like just he, they went out. The Dolphins went out, gave up a second for him. They he completely botched, botches it, and. Now they just wasted a second round pick. So yeah, I think that, teams are sitting there probably not willing to give up as much for a quote unquote failed quarterback. Well, there's you know, that. Right? And then I think there's also the Josh Allen ceiling because now you're going to hold them up to, you know, there's the Josh Rosens and then there's the Josh Allens. And it's like, right. where's Sam kind of in that pecking order? And obviously he's kind of sandwiched in the middle there. And let me, let me be clear. I'm not saying that Darnold for the ninth pick straight up. Darnold is a sweetener. So yeah. if you took the 23rd pick, you threw Darnold in and maybe you threw a second in as well. I think the Broncos listen uh, uh, possibly for that ninth pick. Um, you know, you get a young quarterback, Drew Locke. I don't think he's shown enough despite the weapons the Broncos have. And you bring Darnold into the, into the Broncos locker room, which has Jerry Judy has, you know, some uh, KJ Hamler, some young weapons, I think he'd fit in very nicely there. Um, and the one team I think that's, you know, and we'll talk about it, but the Panthers, who knows what the hell they're going to do? Cause they were all in on the Deshaun Watson bandway uh, party. And now all that's got to play out yep. and see how that goes. And I think that they really just got screwed over with everything that's panned out with the Niners moving up. Yeah. And the, the Panthers are in shambles too. Uh, the thing with the Broncos as well is like as much as I poke fun at the Eagles for not being great at drafting, I mean, John Elway literally might lose a job at the organization he's a hero at because of how poorly he's drafted. So um, they're another organization that can't figure it out. I just want to get to the fourth pick here because Mr. Green, despite having green in his name, is a black and red fan uh, like me and Campy. You know, we all can colors. That's how we tie that together. Um, and he's a Falcons fan at four, but there is a team in red picking right before him. And at three, we need to kill it right now. The Niners did not draft up, uh, trade up to draft Mac Jones. It just didn't happen. It's not happening. I know he was at the pro day, but I had told you guys before we got, uh, went on air, Mac Jones, kind of a smaller sample size than uh, a few of the other quarterbacks. Trey Lance, I mean, he has a small sample size too, but in a guy that I have them taking in Justin Fields, he has a body of work in college more than just one season's length with some other guys that aren't bona fide studs, you know, with Mac Jones, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are going to be top 10, potential top 15 picks. So um, I think I would have wanted a closer look at Mac Jones over Justin Fields. And Justin Fields, you know, for all people were hyping up Zach Wilson, another thing we talked off air about, he made some wild throws in his pro day too. I mean, people don't want to talk about it. And I've been saying this, and maybe Justin Fields falls even further than three. Maybe the Niners do take him. But he's getting that draft day, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson kind of feel to me where he's a stud. He's proven it. His body of work shows it. And if you're going to sleep on him and he's going to fall, then it's just your mistake. I mean, I've seen it happen in the draft before, but, you know, people aren't oohing and on about Justin Fields enough. And I don't really know why. I, I, like, I, I can't really put a finger on what's going on that, you know, people are turned off by Justin Fields. I mean, other than the fact that he's been held up next to Trevor Lawrence his entire career and, 
you know, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields is Justin Fields. But, dude, he can do it all. He can make throws. I rewatched the Sugar Bowl against Lawrence uh, where he threw six touchdown passes. Lit it up, man. Guy's a gamer. Um, and I think he fits the 49ers really, really well. I think Kyle Shanahan would have a lot of fun uh, with Justin Fields. So I have that. And then I do have Trey Lance at four. So we got quarterbacks um, four in a row here to lead off the draft in this mock 2.0. Where do you guys see those four picks? Do you see four quarterbacks kind of rifling off like that? So, so I think two, two things. One, the, 49ers either really hurt Atlanta by trading up to number three because they have, you know, you obviously have your top four guys and now you've got one less choice of the quarterback option. The other thing though, is if you look at it, they could have also really helped Atlanta if Atlanta wasn't leaning towards the quarterback. Um, so they go one quarterbacks come off the board, one, two, three. And now these desperate teams, if, if they don't think that, Mac is uh, Mac Jones is, you know, what everybody's hyping them up to be right now, then it leaves just Trey Lance. So we just watched um, 49ers give up a ton of assets to move up to three. Um, now Atlanta could be sitting here licking their chops saying, okay, we're going to take this quarterback who wants them. And Carolina sitting there can't be, you mentioned it earlier. And they're needing for a quarterback. Well, you know, they're, they're in division. So Atlanta could be sitting there saying, look, I'm not just cause you're picking an eight and the Patriots are picking at 15. I'm not giving you anything. You got to give me exactly what, what they're giving the, giving us. Um, so, you know, it, it could go either way. It either really helped them really hurt them. Or if, you know, let's just say they Trey Lance is the, their guy their whole time, the whole time, then, and Trey Lance falls to them, then it, it didn't impact them much at all, except give them possible leverage to trade with. I could see Denver too, though. Like I could see that Denver trade now that you guys are saying it. I mean, really those eight, nine spots. Cause the thing is the Falcons biggest need is still, I mean, obviously you want to get a guy behind Matt Ryan at this point of his career, but it's defense. And I feel mm-hmm. like to take someone on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, other than really Parsons at that point, like doesn't add up. And so, like, to fall back to, like, 8-9, maybe decide to take a guy like certain, maybe a Caleb Farley, or really could do anything, take BPA at that point. But for me, it's like the Falcons' biggest need is defense. So I mm-hmm. think they're kind of in a prime trade-back spot as well. But it's hard to pass up on a quarterback because you Definitely. know Matt Ryan's been ticking. That whole situation with Matt Ryan has been ticking for a while now. Yeah, and yeah. if you talk to anybody, like, around the building, like, they – they believe that there's no way they're picking at four again. They think that, okay. And and in a quarterback staff class, they think, you know, Trey Lance needs a couple of years anyways. Um, Let's get him. He'll be the quarterback of the future. We're going to do enough in the rest of this draft. We're going to do enough in free agency. The team is still stacked with talent. I mean, uh, Julio Jones was hurt last year, but when he was healthy, I mean, he tore it up. Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett, um, the list goes on and on. Their, Their biggest I mean, not on and on, but their biggest uh, uh, problem is definitely getting to the quarterback. They haven't had anybody consistently since John Abraham. And, hey, we're, and we have that in common, Jets fans <laughs> and Falcons fans. But but if you look at if you look at this draft, the you know you got to look at value, and the value of the edge rusher is not there. Um, and there's a lot of guys you can take a look at and and 
getting this later first round, possibly second round, mm-hmm. um, especially where Atlanta's picking so high. Um, I, I've I've actually really like uh, liked uh, Aziz out of uh, Georgia, Georgia yeah, for a long time. Like well. before his before his breakout game um, against Cincinnati in the in the bowl game. I was like, all right, maybe Atlanta can grab him in a second, but you know, high he motor guy. he's a high motor guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's probably my favorite edge prospect. That's the thing. And like, I would love the giants to take someone like that too. If they were further back, like I'm playing that game in my head. It's like, cause if the giants drafted where Washington drafted at 19, things would be a lot different, but they're at 11. So obviously, you know, there's mm-hmm. someone, someone's going to fall to them at 11. And that's what I think the hardest thing about making this mock is, it's like I'm trying to weed through all these fake headlines because, look, the next pick here, the Bengals. The storyline this week was that Joe Burrow is asking the Bengals to draft Jamar Chase. In my mock, I have Jamar Chase going to the Bengals, and I'm not saying the Bengals don't need a receiver, and I don't think that would actually be a bad idea, pairing Joe Burrow with a guy he threw like 40 touchdowns in a season too. Be a great idea, but the issue is Joe Burrow barely has a leg. And it's because you didn't have anyone on the line to take care of him. And if you pass up on a guy like Sewell or even Slater at this point, any offensive lineman to protect Burrow this early, I just think it's not in the best interest of that organization. I think the Bengals would be making a mistake to not take a lineman. Go ahead, Green. Do you guys know how old um, Sewell is going to be for week one of the season? 21. He's going to be 20 years old. 20 years old. He's going to be 20 years Sam, old in season dark. Sam Darnold of offensive lineman. So I think Sam turned 21 over the summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember there's a joke because like uh, – Couldn't they, drink after his draft night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, Sewell's going to be 20. So if you sit there – I mean, and really the only knock on him, you know, sometimes he's overly aggressive. Sometimes he lunges a little bit. All, all teachable things. But he was an 18, 19-year-old kid going out and dominating at the highest level of college football. And now you're going to take him. He did sit out a year. Um, so let's say he has, you know, a year to kind of, you know, get, get his bearings. He's going to come into the next season at 21 years old. He's going to be a 21 year old phenom. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to pass up on somebody like that. I agree. Um, Camp, it, where are you at on this? It makes sense. I mean, uh, just to, to circle back, to the, I think the Falcons should take a quarterback. I think Trey Lance winds up in the best situation possible because he can sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, and I think that's the way to go. I, I'm with you guys. I think the first four picks are going to be quarterbacks. Going into this fifth one with the Bengals, um, I, while I understand Joe Burrow wants his boy, I they also aren't like completely uh, lost at the offensive line. Like they have Jonah Williams. And they, they do have, I can't recall their other tackle, but they actually have two pretty decent tackles. Yeah, it's we just did, that we talked about Williams was hurt. Draft. Yeah, we mentioned about that right. Jonah Williams last mock draft. You're right. I, so I, I think personally, I would, I would listen to Mr. Burrow, but not in the direction that he wants. I would go Kyle Pitts at five. Um, they're devoid of talent at tight end, the Bengals. And I've, I've always been the firm believer in, you know, how do you help a young quarterback? Obviously, yes, you need offensive line help. Well, if their offensive line stays healthy, it'll be okay. But also, you need a running game. All right, they got Joe Mixon. And you need a tight end. And Kyle Pitts is, I, I think, the most talented weapon that 
is in this draft. So why don't you go get Kyle Pitts? Not for nothing, just real quick. They have T. Higgins, who everybody and their mother is sleeping on. He had a very good rookie season. Just because you had the Justin Jeffersons and the Claypools of the world blowing things up, like for a rookie in an offense like that, when Mm. Burrow got hurt, his numbers drastically changed. T. Higgins was very good. Scoring. And Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, too. I, I think Kyle Pitts actually does fit that very well. And it helps up front, you know, not in the best way possible. He is a tight end. I mean, you get a guy who could ball. Pitts is actually my number one receiver in this draft. Mm. Like, yeah. If you, if either way, I mean, he's 6'6", 250, and um, runs like a 4'5". So. Yeah, he can do everything. Mm. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe Burrow gets upset because it's not his boy, but I don't think he'll be complaining if he gets a target like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with Steven, though. It's like, just so you've got T. Higgins, you've got Boyd. I know they signed these these tackles, um, but, you know, bump one inside because uh, – We'll get Sewell's. Yeah, Sewell. I mean, I, I see it. It makes sense. I just – it's hard to want to pass oh, up pits. The way I'm looking at it, though, the team that makes out like bandits is the Dolphins back at six because I think they might be in a position here with the people in front of them that they still might get two guys that they were tied to anyways in Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell. One or the other, they could have taken at three. That would have fit their need. I don't know where they're at on receiver because I know they signed Will Fuller. I mean, you can never have enough help. I would also like to see, you know, when we talk about Jamar Chase kind of meeting up with Joe Burrow, it's like, you know, Devontae Smith scored a, you know, national championship winning touchdown with Tua like back <laughs> back a few years ago. Um, I know those guys came out and said that they like Mac Jones more. I think that might be a little bit of a recency bias, and I wouldn't take that – you know, too much into account because everyone was jumping on that. Two was trash. Mac Jones is better. It's like, let's let's all settle down. But look, one way or another, I have the Dolphins taking either Chase or Sewell. And, and if the Bengals don't take Sewell, I have them taking him. And if they don't take Chase, I have them taking him. Um, I think they could use either. I do think they definitely need tackle help um, to protect Tua at that. And, you know, if Sewell's there, I think it makes a lot of sense. In that initial mock, I have him because I had Chase going. Um to the Bengals at five, but really, I think it's a win-win for Miami. So, uh, they handled that pretty well. So, so I want to uh, run something by you guys, and let's just say at three, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say at three, um, the 49ers take Mac Jones, and now the Dolphins are sitting here with Trey Lance or Justin Fields possibly sitting in their lap with teams that want to come up. I mean, they they – there's a reason they went to six. I mean, six is probably one of the most val- – if you don't need a quarterback, it's probably one of the most valuable valuable picks in this draft. Unless you're the yeah. New York Giants and you draft Daniel Jones. No, okay, I'm just totally <laughs> – honestly, well, like, I still think that was a good pick, but whatever. No, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's basically what the Dolphins were thinking when they, they moved back to 12, right, and then they moved up. Uh, so they had all those assets where they could move up to that six spot because I think they're thinking ahead and, and thinking that, okay, at least three of these picks are going to be quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So we still got a shot at Sewell. We still got a shot at uh, either Pitts or Chase. So it, yeah, it's a win-win for him. It was very, it was very heady play by, by them to move up to six. I, if I was them, I would take Sewell. I think that they need more help offensive line wise than they do with the weapons because they signed Will Fuller. Now, as long as Fuller t- stays healthy, Devontae Parker, Gasicki, it should be better. And if you get Sewell, it improves your run game. 
Um, and they also have draft picks galore, so they, they should be able to address all those needs. And that's the craziest thing out of all of this. They traded back up and they still have two firsts. <laughs> like how did how did that happen? I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not really 100% sure, but let's keep going. And we're at seven here. And this is a bit of a, a dumpster fire from seven and nine here before we get to the consecutive NFC East picks. And I mean, the, the Detroit Lions, I'm not really sure what's going on here. And I had two ideas on who they might take here. Either of them are from Bama. I could see them going Barmore here and really just shaking the draft up because that's what the Lions just do. Or if not, obviously they have a need at wide receiver now. I see them going either Devontae Smith or Christian Barmore. I can't really put a finger on which one they need. Both are needs on this team. Um, I'm kind of leading Barmore, but I think it would be difficult. At this point, if Chase is gone, Pitts wouldn't make sense there. So I think from a value standpoint, it might be a little hard to pass up on the Rain and Heisman winner. So uh, I think they need help on the defensive side of the ball. So Barmore would make sense. He'd be the first defensive guy off the board. But if not, I think Smith might make a lot of sense there in Detroit. Any thoughts? Luke Smith there. Um, I could also see them at this point in the draft going with Rashawn Slater. Um, they need help on the offensive line and Rashawn Slater is a tough dude. And I don't know if you watched the head coach's interview, he seems like the kind of guy that would take a bite out of your calf on the way up. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think the, the thing about Rashawn Slater is he's so safe because if, if he doesn't, you know, some of the concerns is that he's too short, like his arms are too short to play tackle. Um, even though he he went pound for pound with Chase Young, um, but you can always bump him into guard, and I, you know you know he's going to thrive there and be a a stud there. Um, but I do like I think I do like the uh, the wider going wide receiver. By the way, if you were wondering how Camby got the head coaching job at Weehawking, that's actually the speech he gave the Lions head coach. He <laughs> took that from Campy. Campy gave that speech, and then I was like, I got to play for this guy. I mean, he wants to eat people, so no, but um. In all seriousness, the Lions have a lot of needs. I don't think the golf experiment is going to really work out well either way here. Um, receiver would make sense, but really, I think they could do anything. They, they, yeah, could, they uh, could do anything. I wouldn't be surprised. The one, the one player other than receiver, whether it's Jay Smith, Waddle, whoever, that those all make sense. Um, the one player I was actually thinking in the same vein of biting kneecaps. I thought Micah Parsons, um, mm. maybe to just become that leader in the middle of the field on the defense, uh, which they've been lacking in for so long. Um, so, and he's, I mean, goodness, his pro day was just ridiculous. Uh, so he's a, he's a freak of nature. And obviously he's, he's got all these different, uh, disabilities that not many uh, players do, uh, these days. So I thought that would be like kind of a, little X factor type pick if they, if they grab Parsons there, but I think a safer bet would be uh, grabbing one of those receivers, whoever is left, whether it's Smith Waddle or Chase. I, thing, I, I love like, oh, one of those teams that is just like a defensive needy team too. So I could just, I mean, Parsons makes sense. Um, I could see them just grabbing a guy there because that's their need unless they trade back. But it's like some of these teams are in positions. This is a very offensive heavy, you know, top 10 here. And, you know, some of these teams like the Lions and the Falcons don't really fit the mold for it. So I don't know what they're going to do with it. And, you know, Carolina at that, their defense performed well last year, but sparingly they do need corner help um, because they gave us a, you know, a Pro Bowl corner. So sorry for that. Um, Thanks for James Bradbury, guys. But, yeah, so they need help at corner, but this is another team. They don't have Curtis Samuel now. So 
DJ Moore is their only guy. They don't have a tight end. Greg Olson, I think, is commentating now. He was on the Seahawks, so he's gone. Um, and then Teddy's their quarterback. So, um, I mean, the thing is, at this point in this mock that we have, Mac Jones isn't off. So I want to take this a different way. Could we see Mac Jones going either eight or nine here to Carolina or Denver? Could you guys see that happening? Because every mock I have, I have him going 15, but I just don't see that falling out unless the Patriots straight up. So do you see him fitting in either Carolina or Denver? I, I could see Carolina, honestly. I think that's the prime spot for the Patriots to move up. Um, I think that's where, where honestly that's going to happen. I think because I think the Pats are in win now mode, but they're still trying to figure out the quarterback situation. Obviously they have cam. I mean, they got good news with, you know, the Niners moving up, maybe Jimmy G becomes available mid season, who knows? Uh, but there's been this Mac Jones connection forever. Uh, it seems like, um, and I would not be shocked if the Panthers just wanted to get as many assets as possible. And this, this their GM is, excuse me, their owner is a, is a, you know, I believe Tepper and he's a Jerry Jones, you know, reincarnate type of guy. He's, he wants what he wants and whatever plays out with the Watson situation. I really think that they're not going to necessarily put all their eggs in one basket because of the fact that the Niners moved up and they don't get the pick of the litter. So maybe instead of just taking the scraps, they reload and they get as many assets as possible and possibly maybe the Deshaun Watson thing works out um, and they're able to make a trade in the future um, for him. Uh, I just, I find it hard. I mean, it, all, it is also hard for your fan base for you to tell your fan base that, Hey, we totally had all the faith in the world in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, after you've shown no allegiance to him whatsoever uh, with all these different connections and wanting to go get guys. So um, it's a tough sell, but I mean, Matt rules a hell of a coach. Uh, I, I personally thought that, you know, like we talked about before, right. With the lions, I thought Jamar chase would be available there the way it would play out for me. And then I thought that, you know, Hey, they've missed Luke Keekley forever since he retired. And that would be where my, uh, where Parsons actually winds up and he starts to help that defense out, but it's a tough one. Yeah. So I, I, I'll let you jump in Mr. Green, but I do have them in our joint mock here. I have the patch trading up and taking Mac Jones just for the sake of it. So when we're looking at people available, he's going to be off the board here. I want to do it a little different, but go ahead, Mr. Green. So just, just talking about, could we see Mac Jones go here? Um, I, I definitely think we could, I think in a different draft class, Mac Jones, we're talking about being a top, a top guy. Um, people thought he wasn't very athletic, thought he couldn't throw very far. Um, I know Steven, you're not big on pro days, but at his pro day, he showed that he can throw on the run. He showed that he has arm strength, um, to hit some deeper targets. Um, and if you look the people who, uh, the person he gets compared to, uh, most frequently, um, is Joe Burrow, oddly enough. And Joe, uh, Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator there. Um, Joe Brady came from LSU. So he was, um, Burroughs uh, coordinator there. So, you know, I th- if, if he's getting compared to Joe Burrow, I, I think there's a very good chance that uh, he could end up um, being on the Panthers. The um, reason I don't like pro days and combines is because the 40 time is the only thing anyone values and it's horse. Okay. Give me game speed over 40 time any day of the week. And this is agreed. because I was a game speed guy. I wasn't a 40 guy. And listen, you know, 
something needs to be said about it. I'm a short spurts, not a long distance guy. So screw the 40. Okay. Meet me in the box, but no, it's, the 10 yards guys, it's like, why do we really care, care about Micah Parsons? You know, 40. I mean, I want to see just what he can do, you know, in the, in, in fire, in the line of fire. Like if he's getting on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be so close to the line of scrimmage. He's not going 40 yards. He's got to get past the 300 pounder in front of him and make a move inside five to 10 yards. So it's like, I think like, you know, it's quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and the defensive guys all 40 times. It's like maybe the corners and receivers fine, but like everybody uh, just gets old. That's all. Just gets old. No, I, I agree. Some things definitely get blown out of proportion and you see some of the workout warriors get picked higher because those are things that are uh, highlighted a bit more for different franchises. But you know, I think it's just tradition at this point. It's never going to change. Uh, so we just got to love those. I did not necessarily times. working. Like the guys who pick off 40 times, it's just like, it just never really works. All right. So I do want to just give us a look at what our uh, combined mock is looking like right now. We're at Lawrence Wilson Fields lands. Pitt Sewell Parsons Jones is kind of how I went about this. Even if they went Smith, I still kind of feel like Parsons is a toss-up to go to Dallas. I'm going to assume he's gone before the Giants. If I'm the Giants, pretty freaking happy with what's on the board right now. We just signed Galladay. If Jamar Chase is actually falling this far, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be pounding the TV screen. But we are on Denver, a, a team that has addressed receiver. They have Cortland Sutton. They went Jerry Judy. Dallas before them. I don't think either of these teams are going receiver. So that means Waddle, Smith, and Chase are there. Um, I feel like if Denver's picking here, it's what I had before, and they'll probably go Rashawn Slater. If Slater isn't off the board yet, I really don't see Denver going anywhere else, uh, especially if Mac Jones is gone the pick before them. I think that just makes sense, right? Yeah, that's uh, – I, I can never get out of my head Drew Locke. I'm not a Drew Locke fan at all. <laughs> I do not see him as the future of that franchise whatsoever. Um, so – they need to do something other than wide receiver. They obviously have some very talented players and obviously, and uh, Noah Fant is a dude. Uh, so Hamler before too. I mean, they have, they, they got oh, weapons, weapons for days and they're probably the youngest group of weapons in the NFL. So they got to fix. They, they obviously have holes at the offensive line. They could, they could take care of the defense has moments and Fangio is a, quality uh, defensive mind. So offensive line makes a lot of sense um, for Slater, uh, for sure. Um, in my head, right, the way it was playing out for me, uh, I was thinking that they wind up actually uh, getting one of those receivers, uh, you know, with, with how it was going to work out. I had them actually taking Waddle to add to the weapons. Just, hey, look, if they don't make a play for a quarterback, let's say they don't make a play for a quarterback, and, okay, this is Drew Locke's last chance. We're give, There are no excuses. You have Jerry Judy. You get Jalen Waddell. You're, you, know, you have Noah Fant. You have all these bodies. Make it happen or we're moving on. I think that's to this, to this degree. So, um, and no one's going to complain about too many receivers. I really in, the, in this day and age in the NFL and you're in the AFC West where you're playing the chiefs twice a year. And now you have to deal with the chargers and Herbert twice a year. So you better be able to keep up. I would just lose my mind if I were a fan base. And like, this was Eagles fans too, when they were like, Oh, we'll draft a receiver. It's like, can you like stomach drafting a receiver in the first two years in a row? Like, 
I like I can't like I I, I can't grasp it because I feel like I understand traditionally like in the draft itself the first round probably half you know it's hit or miss anyways but it's just like why do the same position you know because I mean you could fail twice <laughs> and you win yeah. you know because like if you're the Eagles and you you drafted Jalen Rieger you could kind of already see how that's going if I just took Jerry Judy who was supposed to be the best receiver last year I mean they'd be in a position to get the best receiver in two consecutive drafts I don't know and they're Bama guys I, I don't know I'm kind of torn on it Mr. Green, and, any thoughts? In my uh, draft, I actually have them getting Parsons here. Mm. Um, I think if Parsons is, is on the board, they're they're licking yeah. their chops, and and he's yeah. a, you know, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's a, a three down linebacker. He's a guy that never comes off the field, um, and yeah, I know we they, we've got all the weapons, but he he'll look real good dropping to the deep zone. He actually went into Penn State as a defensive end edge player. Um, so he can come, you know, he, he's great, excellent at blitzing. Um, he, he can really do it all. I remember last year sitting there thinking, uh, watching him, wow, I'd love for Atlanta to pick him up, but we won't be picking yeah. that high. Yep. Well, yeah, we, we talked about that uh, frequently, how you, how you wanted him to be uh, be there for the Falcons. But, I mean, hey, look, if, if everything plays out like we think it is, like we think it does, and, and you know, Patriots or somebody moves up to eight to grab, Jones, then Parsons is there for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that could certainly play out that way. I wouldn't be surprised now that we say this, because here was my thinking. There's just no way Parsons is going to get to uh, the Giants. Looking at the top 10, and I know he's mocked there, and he, he uh, I talked about it earlier in the show that he was on social media with the eyes. I'm sure he'd love to play for the Giants. I get it. He, he has a coach who's coaching with the Giants who wouldn't want to play with your old coach. But the logistics of it is just that there are defensive needy teams here that could easily take him. I still think the Falcons wouldn't be crazy to take him at four. I, like the the sure. Lions, the Broncos. If the Panthers don't trade, like, I mean, you can justify him going to like four teams in the in the top nine. And even the even Dallas. Dallas needs so much defensive help. I don't. If I'm Dallas and you see a guy that wants to go to the Giants right there, and he's you just know he's gonna make it better. I would take him at ten, um, and not let the Giants get him either. So uh, yeah, I, I don't see him falling out of the top ten. Um, so just really quick. So Atlanta has three linebackers that they really like two of them, which never come off the field um, it being Deion Jones and Foye Luicon. Um, they drafted a guy in the uh, fourth round, fourth round last year, Michael Walker, who Dean Pease, their new DC like loves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he, I think he graded out as one of the best coverage linebackers. So like as much as I would love for them to get Micah Parsons, I just don't think it makes sense if they already have three guys. Traditional edge too. It's just like you need yeah. edge help a little bit. I exactly. Guess. I mean, it's always a tough. And we talked about this probably a month ago or whatever. But in the top five, that's a tough sell taking a middle linebacker yeah. in the top five. Look at you got Devin White. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's fair. But he wasn't even top five, wasn't he? Sixth. I mean, he was very he, close. He, he was like, yeah, he, he was outside the top five by a little. I thought he was, but I think if, I mean, it would take him now. Now looking back, sure, <laughs> who wouldn't take that away? This, I mean, the way he, he was playing last year, mad man, he was. Despite my my efforts, and that's the thing too. I think I'm starting to fade myself on Parsons because since White, uh, I wanted Simmons last year. You know, maybe Isaiah hasn't performed as well as Devin White. Uh, could be a late bloomer like White was, but you know, anytime I speak, the Giants taking a linebacker in existence. They do not take it, and they do the exact opposite. So, but Dallas is on the clock here at ten. I'm loving it. They're not taking a wide receiver, so that means the Giants are definitely in this mock. I'm just letting you know now. Definitely taking Jamar Chase. 
uh, that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Who Dallas takes here? I would probably go corner here. I, I, let me phrase it like this, though. We have all the top corners available. Who are the guys that, you know, who, who's the guy out of the three? Certain Horn and, um, oh, why am I spacing here? Far away. Yeah. yeah. Of those three, who are you guys leaning towards the top here? I mean, I like certain for one, but I do know Horn's coming on late. I liked Horn. I wasn't ready to say he's the best corner in the class, but I do like his aggression. He plays strong um, at the corner position, but I do think certain's locked in to go, um, you know, first corner off the board, especially with those Bama ties. So who, where are you guys lining these three corners up? I, I would take, I would take Sertan uh, first. I mean, uh, just for, uh, for the Cowboys, especially because he has the the pro pedigree, right? His father played for the Dolphins forever. I think that just sells better. Cowboys are all about selling, I, I think, just getting jerseys and butts and seats. So I think he's, a, you know, the most marketable out of all of them. Uh, I think he is the best one out of the three, uh, personally, just because you put SEC defense. It's hard for me to ever out, you know, just uh, overlook those guys and Bama he saw the best of every team every week. Um, the Bama defense isn't what it was five years ago, but I see him as the best out of those three. And I think the Cowboys need to address their defense in some way, shape or form because it's freaking terrible. So uh, I think they go Patrick Sutan. So I want to talk about Caleb Farley just a little bit. I mean, I'm pretty sure my dude is he's six, three, he has all the ball skills you've seen in a corner. He'll come up and he'll ta- he'll tackle. He'll travel around and guard the best guys. Um, he has only been playing cornerback for two years, which is crazy. So he's got. I mean, he has even more upside. That being said, I still take Sertain here. Um, uh, recently, and I don't know if you guys saw, but recently Caleb Fairley came out and they released tape of him running a four-two-eight which at 6'3", uh, running a, a four two eight at a corner is ridiculous, but he can't stay healthy. I mean, he missed his pro day because he had a back surgery. He's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has all the upside in the world, and I'm not taking a top 10 pick on a guy who I don't know can be there. And, I mean, Bill, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think. Like, uh, Sertain is, is almost as good, and he his – uh, floor is so much higher. Like, you know what you're getting with him and you know, he's going to be a, a dude for, for them. CP two, no, no PS two, well, PS two. <laughs> well, whoever, you know, the Cowboys are in win now mode. I think any, everyone in the NFC East is in win now mode, which is crazy to even think about <laughs> after the results from last year, but they need somebody to be able to step in right away on the defensive side of the ball. And like, we, like you said, thank uh, uh, Mr. Green uh, with, just needing a guy to be able to help. I, I think Sertain is the, is the, the guy to do it. And that's going to sell. And I think uh, pair him with Diggs. You got a nice little young combo at corner all of a sudden. So, and they played together too. Now that it really matters. That's right. But but I think it helps, you know, having, I mean, they're on the opposite side of the field, but yeah. having some comfortability uh, in the secondary, knowing a guy will be there. I'll kind of know well, where, where that quick question. Quick question. Who do you think Dan Quinn would favor mm. since he's the DC? I think, I, I think Dan Quinn would definitely go with, uh, well, we'll see before definitely, but I think Dan Quinn would um, go with Caleb. Wow. I, I think he, 
he's just shown and he's just shown so much in Atlanta and their drafts. And I don't know, well, I don't know how much that was him or how much it was Thomas Dimitrov, but they love athletes. They love going with the, um, they love going with the, the, you know, all the possibilities of becoming these alpha players and just the, the mix of the size and the speed and the length. Um, That being said, I mean, uh, PS two is right, right there too. So I think the potential, if it was Dan Quinn's choice, and if he was making all the choices in Atlanta, I think the potential uh, they would go with Farley. But I think also, like you said, uh, PS2 is the pedigree being there. He, you, you can market the heck out of that in Dallas. And if it's close, Jerry Jones is going. Jerry Jones is going with what's going to put more butts in the seats. So I'm going to run to the podium here. Uh, touchdown spike, the uh, envelope, uh, probably even be late to get in the picket because if Jamar Chase is at 11, I'm ecstatic. Last um, LSU wide receiver we took around, you know, around or about the top 10. I think Odell was 13. I think he was 11. I think he was 13. Uh, whatever we were there, uh, it was Odell. And taking Jamar Chase would be really nice next to Kenny Galladay, man. Um, that'd be insane. I don't know if he's going to be there. I kind of like where our mock is here because I do see a lot. He won't of be. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> would be he insane. won't be. Um, Somebody will be, though. Like, Yeah. I think if he's not there, there's a real uh, possibility that Slater could be there. Well, that's true. I mean. Yeah, I, that's who I think, actually, they wanted. If too. everything works out. I think Rashawn Slater's there, and you guys just you you run to the podium for that too. Yeah, because you need so much offensive reason, line help. Well, what Mr. Green was saying too. I mean, obviously we have tackles. We got to find playing room for Solder. We have Purdue. We took in the third last year. Move Slater to guard. Move yeah. to guard if you're worried uh-huh. about his arm size. I, I have no problem with that. And try and bump him out if somebody gets hurt or somebody you know you lose somebody. Uh, bump to bump him out or start him a guard. He can he can play both spots. I think so. And the Giants were blessed last year. They had no injuries up front. If they did, they would have been decimated. They wouldn't have probably had the record that they had. I mean, and people still shit on him for not protecting Danny. It was better. A big reason it was better was because the same unit was out there. They did go to rotating linemen at some point too. Uh, I don't know if they're sticking with that, but listen, linemen is a position of depth that they definitely need. I think they're going to address it in the second round. It would make a lot of sense because of how deep this draft is. Um, at the line, but in this current mock, I mean, let's put it this way. I am not in on Jalen Waddle for the same reason that you were kind of mentioning injury concerns at 11. You just addressed wide receiver. I understand me like if Smith and chase were off the board, I'm not taking Waddle at 11. I'm going mm. best player available outside of Waddle. Um, no, as great as he is, as much of a speedster as he is, I'm not taking that chance at 11 with a guy who is still battling an injury, especially when you already addressed the need. So, um, I wouldn't do that with Smith still there though. I do think it's interesting. And the reason I'm bringing it up too, because in this mock, the Eagles who a lot of people tied to taking Smith at six would in this mock technically have a chance at him at 12, which I also think they would run to the podium for too, even though I just shit on him for taking a receiver, um, you know, in back-to-back years, the thing with the Eagles they could really use a guy like JC Horn. I think they could use a linebacker, but I don't know if they trust themselves to take a guy. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball with that pick. Like, I think they're just going to go BPA the way um, the Giants might be. And I don't think they're in a position to do that. I, I see them taking a corner. I think they should take a corner. But I, in this mock, they can't pass on Devontae Smith. 
At least I don't think so. Yeah, I think too. Like if you look at this draft, um, the Eagles for the first couple of rounds, there's so much depth that wide receiver, cornerback. Um, I think that the you just take the best player available out of those two and grab somebody in the second. Um, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of good wide receivers you can get in the second. So if those three guys, the top three guys, aren't there, um, you go what you go one of these great cornerbacks. Um, they're in a good spot. Yeah, I would like J.C. Horn. I think J.C. Horn helps them, especially because they uh, sent, you know, prospect after prospect away for Darius Slay, who they thought would be a number one corner and, uh, you know, couldn't hold uh, someone on the Giants jockstrap last year. They had no one. But uh, yeah, I'm on I'm on the uh, I'm on the Heisman going to Philly. I think Devontae Smith's going there. I really do. Uh, For whatever reason, you know, Waddle is seen as just one one hair above Devontae Smith. I think it's just the size and weight issue, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, I think Devontae Smith goes to the Eagles, uh, the NFC East, right? You know, they get to all jaw at each other because they literally finish, you know, 10, 11, 12 with the picks, and that's going to be compared about uh, for quite some time. So yep. uh, that's going to be a tough one. All right, That's so let's, rifle, let's rifle through some of these here real quick, though, because I do want to get to the Jets' second pick here, and we are definitely, um, we're definitely going a little bit longer than I expected, but it's good. This is good because we need to, but we address the NFC East, which is really the focal point I wanted to get to today. The ten through twelve, the Chargers and the Vikings. I have them both going tackles here. This is where I think we get a run on tackle a little bit. I have Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech going to the Chargers. That's not even really a preference thing. I just think. That's probably how it's going to shake out. Uh, that's the best tackle available according to this board. And then, I mean, Vera Tucker is also there, so it depends how you line them up. But I could see them going back-to-back tackles uh, with L.A. and then Minnesota. This is a Carolina spot now that traded with uh, New England at 15. I don't know what they do if they did trade with New England. I have no idea what, what they do here. They, I mean, they still could address receiver here. I mean, we talked about how deep it is. I don't think they would hate taking Rashad Bateman or, you know, to the same point, Caleb Farley's there, you know, they still need corner help. He's still on the board. So I actually don't think that trade we had mentioned earlier would be a bad thing for Carolina at all. I think they could still really address their need at 15, uh, especially how the early draft would shake out. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Any issues with those three picks guys? Um, I only had uh, Bateman was the last one he said, but uh, I have Horn possibly going to the Chargers at 13. Mm. Um, he said he could also go to the Vikings, I think, at 14 either way. Okay. Uh, but I had Horn and then Darisaw at 14 um, going to the Vikings. And then actually, I you know, if, if there is no trade, I I still think the Patriots go receiver. I think they take Rashad Bateman. Um, I am. Um, oh, no, you're good. I have a uh... – Bateman is um, my sixth receiver in this class. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, and I know still on the board on our mock too. So, I mean, that could be a guy that ends up going as well uh, before Bateman. I did account for Bateman there, but I could see, ba- I could see Waddle going to the Patriots too. I think Bateman would make more sense, but so, so how, how do your receivers line up though? Um, so it's, if you're not counting Kyle Pitts, um, I like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Um, my four is, uh, is Joker, Kadarius Tony, mm. um, out of Florida. 
then I like Terrence Marshall and then Bateman. Interesting. Yeah. Did you, uh, I didn't hear Rondell Moore. No Rondell Moore love? Rondell Moore is right after that. I, I love Rondell Moore, but these okay. other guys are just, I don't know. I like them a little more. They're, Tony's they're like, that. Tony's like that. You know that typical slot, which is nice if you need a, a really wiry slot position player. I think he fits in nicely. But Bateman's more of that atypical, you know, receiver receiver one type vibe. So I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, how it's valued and how it shakes out. He reminds me. Tony reminds me a lot of uh, Ayuk. Yeah. Mm. I could see that too. But and he's only played him also too. Like he's got a ton of upside. He's only played receiver for a little bit. He came in as a quarterback. So um let's just rifle these off. We'll get to Washington. We'll get to the Jets at 23, who I still hadn't necessarily picked yet, but we do still have some value on the board. So we don't have Barmore going yet. That's who I have slotted in uh, going to Arizona. I think that'd be a really good pickup for them. They like defense. Makes sense. Barmore next to JJ Watt would be a pretty nice pair to say the least. Um, and Chandler Jones. Yeah, it wouldn't be too bad. That wouldn't be too bad. And uh, they did waste uh, a pick on Simmons last year. So, you know, he showed some signs of life. So their defense would be coming together. Uh, I stuck. I was stuck on the Oakland pick or the Las Vegas pick here for about an hour because I was trying to get inside the brain of uh, John Gruden, which just, you know, that'll never happen. So he'll probably just take whoever has the fastest 40 time on the board, which, you know, is expected. <laughs> Uh, I do have, though, some notable names going 18 and 19. So I have Jason Owe uh, from Penn State going to Miami at 18. I think that wouldn't be a bad pickup for them. I actually really like him. He reminds me a lot of uh, – he's not as big as JPP, but all, all the doubt on him um, in terms of being raw, not really playing the – he hasn't played football, I think, for longer than two, three seasons. Um, you know, just the raw talent, and everyone's kind of worried about taking that in the first round. That doesn't bother me very much. Um, especially at the end position. I think that's something that you could grasp. He showed me enough in his pro day. Again, I wasn't looking at his 40 time and his- <laughs> I was looking at everything else. So uh, he showed me enough because I hadn't really put on his tape yet. I put on some of his tape. I think the kid Cabal, I think the Dolphins have a need at edge and uh, he wouldn't be too bad, but we also talked about Aziz earlier and I also like Aziz. So that's someone I could see going um, to Miami as well. Either of those ends. Also, you know what? Since we were talking about rankings, there's also Quiddy Pay out there. Where do you guys? Where are we viewing these edges? Because uh, I feel like they're all kind of clunked together, so you could really go either way with it. it it's a tough one, um, just because of that year off. I mean, away is a is a guy that you know is freakishly athletic, but and he's and he's got pressures, but he doesn't have the sack numbers. I don't think he had a sack last year, mm-hmm. so he then. Yeah. So you have that kind of like, you know, as a jet fan, I'm thinking like, Oh no, this is like Vernon Golston, like mm-hmm. 3.0 type of thing or whatever. But um, I, I mean, that's a harsh thing to say. I don't do you, think that's going to be the case. Do but you know what his total sack number was like in college? I think it was eight. I think it's four. Four. He's a so, guy too though, isn't he? I'm yeah. Howell, Howell, New Jersey. Um, he went to Blair Academy. So he's, I mean, he's a, he's a Jersey guy and you, you root, you root for those Jersey guys, right? Obviously. So um, the, uh, I would go, I think Gregory Rousseau is the number one. I think mm. Quiddy is number, number two. Um, and then between away Phillips uh, and Aziz, you know, you could probably, argue those guys as, as the third, but probably Aziz third, 
and uh, Phillips maybe at four. Uh, I, I, I really like those Miami edge rushers. I know they didn't really play last year, obviously, but Rousseau has just freak written all over him. So he, he would be my number one. My, uh, I'm looking very differently at these edge guys. Aziz is my one. Jalen Phillips is two. Um, Quiddy Payne is three. Pay, Quiddy Pay is three. Um, and then Joseph Osaya, Osaya, I'm not sure how to say that, out of Texas um, is four. Um, Rousseau dropped a ton for me because he's um, really like he had 15 sacks, but a lot of them were like either he was unblocked or the quarterback rolled out to his side or, and um, I was really excited for him because coming in six, seven, 260 pounds, and you're supposed to have these uh, freakish 40 times. I think he ran like a four, seven or four, eight, which isn't, which isn't um, slow by any means, especially if you're 260 pounds and six foot seven, but it's just, it's the combination of, it was just a little bit of a letdown for me. And that plus, Really, I wasn't impressed with a lot of his tape. Um, he's really he's really fallen off for me compared to where he was in the beginning of us. I was never sold on Rasal either. And I know Phillips is jumping up boards. I told you already. I mean, uh, I feel like I'm biased with Aziz. I like him. Out of everyone's tape I've seen, I liked him the most. High motor, played SEC uh, defense, played against some top, top tackles, and uh, really put on a clinic with it. So, I mean, he's my top edge. My thing was, I know Brian Flores and basically the rest of the Patriots uh, crew was at the Penn State Pro Day. Maybe I read too much into that. I just know always stock is kind of rising for those reasons. But Quiddy Pay is there. I just see the Dolphins going edge. Uh, let's just keep the ball rolling here. Let's talk about Washington and then get to the Jets. Washington, I do think, is primed to take a receiver here. Um, on ours, Bateman would be the top available. I took Waddle to Carolina at 15 just because he was the best receiver available. I don't think Carolina would have a problem with that. Um, I had in my initial mock Bateman going to Washington anyways. So I kind of see them taking a receiver. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go tackle and try to bolster that uh, offensive line a little bit, even though they have Ryan Fitzmagic to protect back there. So, And he, yeah, we all know he needs no protection. <laughs> <laughs> He, he really doesn't. Yeah. He's a man. I um, I had them. Uh, I had them actually going linebacker. So uh, I was, you know, the possibility of uh, uh, Jeremiah Wusu uh, possibly being there, or even Zayvon Collins. But I think uh, Jeremiah is the better of the two. So that's who, that's who I took in mind, but I don't love it. Like their mm-hmm. defense is so good, but the val- I just, you know, I'm all about value when I'm looking at this and. The offensive tackles, a lot of the good ones have already come off the board. Um, and but the, but you look at it, and this next group will probably all be gone by the time Washington picks again. So yeah. it's yeah, it's just it's a tough spot. I don't love where Washington's picking. I mean, uh, hey, I, I'm I'm under the belief that it's not bad to build on a strength. So you want to bring in a, a linebacker on that defense. Just hey, you could still win games seven six and thirteen seven. <laughs> Hard to do in today's NFL, but well, I mean, when you Washington's play the defense NFC, is a real deal. When you don't play, it's the possible. Game, it's probably the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely be possible. Um, I could see them going LB too. That's the thing. I mean, I don't know because I felt the same way with the Giants. Like I say, build on his strengths. Washington's best strength is their defense. I mean, yeah. obviously their offense is their offense. You want to get that better, but I guess you don't have to address it with the first round pick get a talent, make your defense even better than it is. 
Um, and the linebacker position would be a way to get that better. I mean, their front four is already absolutely ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I could see LB here. Uh, you know, we'll go Owosu here uh, just to keep the ball rolling. We still have Farley on the uh, on the board here, so I'm going to take him going to the Bears. I think that would make a lot of sense. They need some corner help, so I'm just going to – Yeah, since they let Kyle Fuller go, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yep, and then the Colts, again, so the Colts, I feel like they're also going to go edge. I'll have them go quitty pay just to keep it going as well. I see them they, – they definitely need an edge. The Titans, this is another team I think they need to get offensive line help. Um, they could address the defense. They could address corner. I know that's a position uh, they need to get better at. If Farley's off the board, I don't know if they'll definitely address it, and then we get into that range where there are a lot of good tackles on the board. Um so, KB, let's go with this. Who do you want to see the Titans to take so this way the Jets could get them at a 23? <laughs> well, so I've been, you know, since we talked about the first mock draft, uh, I, I've been growing more, um, more, in, more in favor of the idea of them taking an edge. Uh, I still feel that Douglas is going to address either edge or offensive line with that 23rd pick. Um, personally, I think it's it, it's Tevin Jenkins or bust. I really think if he's there, you bring that big body in and you can line him up a tackle. Um, or, you know, depending on how it shakes out, um, perhaps, you know, maybe Vera Tucker's, Tucker's there. Maybe, probably not, but maybe he is. If you can have any type of versatility on the offensive line, I, I think that's a big plus to be able to use that for the, for the jets. Well, can be, so, so to the same breath, Titans tackle needy here. Tackle hasn't yep. gotten a little bit. If they do take Tevin Jenkins right before you guys, yeah. you're looking at probably a top edge with what's left in, in Jalen. Mm-hmm. Oway. If not, you got Z still there. If not, you probably have to reach a little bit on a tackle, but we've talked about it before. I mean, there's value there. Absolutely. Plenty of value at tackle. Now, the, there's value at tackle, and they're in a good enough position where if they wanted to wait, um, they could wait until the 34th uh, pick, and they could maybe grab a tackle there or a guard, you know, um, between Wyatt Davis, uh, you know, Deontay Brown, maybe Landon Dickerson, mm-hmm. whatever. They seem to favor Connor McGovern as a center. They don't want to really bump him from guard. They, they He plays better as a center. So – you know, do they like George Fant enough to not want to bother uh, removing him? I don't see it. I, I George Fant could be cut tomorrow. I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care much or be a guy that's a, you know, a pitch relief type offensive lineman, but um, I would still favor offensive line for that 23rd pick, whether that's Tevin Jenkins. However, if it winds up being best available, right. And you have your pick of Aziz, uh, Rousseau, Phillips, um, you're hard pressed not to take one of those guys. Uh, and, uh, you can't, you know, you want to hit the right one, but out of those, out of that crop of players, you're, I think you're going to be hard pressed to pick a bad one. Now here's the crazy question for you now, this is just because I want to throw it out there and I know you really want him jets reach on fryer move. Take a 23, get your guy. Do you pick, I want, you pick an eight picks, what, 10 picks, whatever it is. I mean, I get your guy and so the depth to your advantage. I mean, you can draft him and still probably have two of those edges still left, 
and yeah. maybe a few linemen, a few tackles. I mean, we talked about guard being there as well. I mean, a Wyatt Davis might still be there in the second. So right. it's not that far fetched because this is a no. tight end race, anyways. Yeah, I so, wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, with that twenty third pick. I think Douglas. You know, you look at you look at some of those teams later on, right? You have the Ravens, you have the Saints, you have the Packers, you have the Bills. The Bills are offensive line needy. Um, you know, they may want to move up. Maybe they don't want to move up with the Jets, but if they like a guy enough, they'll do it. Um, and then you have the Chiefs who are offensive line needy, um, and they want to address that tackle position. So I wouldn't be shocked if Douglas is taking calls to possibly be able to move back and grab more assets with that 23rd pick. Um, and if you take Friermuth, I think between 28 and 34, I think you have good value from that pick for that tight end spot. And I don't think you're forcing it too early. I don't think he's going anywhere uh, from that. Sp- I don't think anyone in front of them is going to take him. The only uh, person for that I tight see end is spot. the Jags. Really, that's the only worry. Yeah, and that's at 33. So if you can move, you know, to 28, 29, I think that's a perfect spot to take Friermuth personally. And then you get more assets for moving back. You probably get another second or a third, whatever it is. And then you have a, another shot to pick a guy at 34 who could be, you know, maybe it's Landon Nickerson. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Alex Leatherwood, uh, the yeah. Bama tackle, who would be a perfect right tackle. Um, so you have, you definitely have options there. Uh, I think that, you know, the world is their oyster. I, I have all the faith I, in, in Douglas, I believe. And uh, all gas, no break with Salah. I really do like the optics for the Jets moving into this draft. So, Not for nothing, though, too, just to speak it out there, uh, the Jaguars are actually in a decent spot to kind of turn it around under Urban. I mean, you get Trevor Lawrence, you have three picks in the top 33. That's what I'm looking at. They got 25 and 33, too. I mean, mm. you, you, you can throw something together. They have enough there. I mean, you, you, you have to address the offensive line with one of those three picks. But their offense yep. isn't completely in shambles. Robinson's fine. You have Chark. You have Chenault. Um, I mean, that's why I think they might go tight end. I no, I agree. I, 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 they are the only team that makes me nervous about taking Friar moves um, yeah. because of that, that 33rd pick, and they need a tight end desperately. So, um, you know, however, the Jets love Chris Herndon for some freaking reason. So they'll probably, you know, it'll bite me in the ass, and they won't pick him, and uh, they'll pick somebody else. But either way, I trust Douglas. I'm trusting him to get it done. Douglas, we trust. Well, this was fun, guys. We didn't get all 32 in, but that's okay. We hit all the things we needed to hit. Um, and this was great. Mr. Green, thanks for coming on. For now on, make sure you refer to me as Mr. Pink. Um, we don't go by our, our uh, government names anymore. And uh, Campy, as always, thank you for coming on. I appreciate all of this, guys. This was fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. It was fun. Thanks for having us, Rod. That interview with Bill Campy and Mr. Green was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. A big shout out to Mr. Green for coming on. Don't forget, I am Mr. Pink. Shout out to Campy as well. Appreciate you both. Hope you enjoyed our mock draft. Um, A lot of different takes in there. We had our first trade on any of our mock drafts. I do think it's definitely possible that those things happen, but hey, we got a long way to draft day, so we'll definitely be doing another mock draft at some point within the coming month, uh, leading up to the big day itself. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. I appreciate you all. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for coming out and tuning in every week. Again, I appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Be kind. Love you guys.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.